All right. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Don't you just love Thanksgiving? I mean, I, it's always been one of my favorite holidays. I mean, what's not to love about it? Faith, family, food, and football. What's right? What's not to love about it? Like my, my mom's favorite humorist was Irma Bombeck. Like Irma said, here's what she said. Thanksgiving dinners take 18 hours to prepare. They're consumed in 12 minutes. Half times take 12 minutes. This is not a coincidence. <laughs> I love that. Faith, family, food, and football. What more do you want? But here's the deal, though. Thanksgiving, though, for us, uh, especially in the scriptures, is more than just a day. I'm thankful for our, our, our heritage as a nation where our leaders said, you know, we need, to, we need to set aside one day and give thanks and praise to God. Thank you, Abraham Lincoln and all those like you. But in the scriptures for us, people of faith, Thanksgiving is more than just one day. It's really more like every day. Like when uh, Charles Dickens, the great British author, was touring in America giving lectures right around Thanksgiving time, the story goes that he was saying something like this. He said, you Americans, I, I think you have it backwards. Instead of grumbling for 364 days and giving thanks on one day, you ought to give thanks 364 days a year and then just leave one day for grumbling. <laughs> and I thought about that. I was like, man, if I could go back and raise children again, that's the, that would be the new Sherman House rule. Matter of fact, you young families try this. Have a rule. 364 days a year, everybody gives thanks. One day a year, you can grumble. So that way, when your children start grumbling, you go, uh-uh-uh, it's not June 17th. That's the day when you can grumble. I love that, don't you? Give that a try. Okay, so you see, Thanksgiving for us is not just a day, it's an everyday experience, even, even in the hard times. And that's what we get to look at today in Psalm 138. So may I show you, please? Find the book of Psalms, however you get into God's word. If you're new to the Bible, they're about in the middle, maybe a little bit left of center, and find number 138, Psalm 138. This is a psalm from the king and great composer David. But David, you know, he had some highs and lows in his life, and he wrote some songs during the highs, and he wrote some songs during the lows, and this was definitely one of the lows. He's going through just tremendous, I'll call it professional adversity and personal turmoil, but even in the midst of all of that, David found reason to give thanks. Let me show you. He said this, verse 1, I will give you thanks with all my heart. I will sing your praises before the gods. Okay, let's slow down on this one verse. We're going to take this verse like that piece of tender turkey with dressing and gravy and just, mmm. Okay, getting fired up for Thanksgiving. So we're just going to chew on it and savor it, all right? That's the, all, this, all you need to know about Thanksgiving is in this one verse right here. So first of all, there's the, I will give you thanks. So there's the you. So this is the, the who of Thanksgiving. What I love about Thanksgiving is Thanksgiving always and ultimately points up to the throne of heaven. It points to God. And you notice, David, this is personal. I will give you thanks. I've thought about it. There are some things that, you know, you can kind of contract out in life. You can hire other people to do. Like if you have a plumbing issue in your house, you can hire a plumber. If you've got an electrical issue in your house, you can hire an electrician. If you're tired of doing yard work, you can hire the neighborhood boy to mow your yard. But there are some things in life that you just cannot contract out. Rest. Studying. Exercising. 
Oh, I wish we could do that one. And giving thanks. You can't give thanks by proxy. Hey, man, give thanks for me. Nope. You have to do it yourself. I will give you thanks. David said, it's personal. With me, it's personal. It's about God, but it's personal. And then thanks. What's thanks about? Like children, when someone gives you a gift, what do you say? That's right. Thank you is simply the acknowledgement that you have received a gift. That's what we say. We're appreciative of the gift that we've received. Now, beloved, I get to remind you this morning that basically everything that's good and perfect in your life is a gift. This is what the Bible says, James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Everything good in your life, everything perfect in your life is a gift from God. Every good friend, every good loved one, every good work, every good meal, every good breath, everything that's good in your life is a gift from God. So Thanksgiving for us, that's all the time, man. That's every day. It's Thanksgiving every day. So my encouragement to you this week, just take some time, hit pause in your life, and just you and God have just a time of thanksgiving. All right? That's the spirit of this. So this is the, the who and the what of thanksgiving, but this, this is also the how of thanksgiving. David says, I will give you thanks, notice, with all my heart. I love that. That means like with some gusto. You know, that means like, I mean it. You get this poetic language, but you get it. In other words, it's not just lip service. It's not just on the surface. It's with all my heart. It's deep within me and I mean it. I was at a men's conference one time where this pastor said something that I think stung us all in a good way, but it hurt. He said this, he said, too many men worship their work, work at their play, and play at their worship. Ooh, you want me to say that again? Let me try that one more time. Too many men worship their work. Too many men define themselves by their work. They get all their satisfaction and significance and purpose and meaning from their work. Too many men worship their work. And too many men work at their play. Like when we get a hobby, we will spend lots of money on that and lots of time. But then what's left over, too many men play at their worship. We'll give God a little bit of time Sunday morning and maybe kind of half-hearted. Too many men play at their worship, but not King David. Man, he worked at it. This is what he said, Psalm 103. David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. That's praise and thanksgiving when it's a total person experience. Thanksgiving for us is not lip service. It's bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. That's why I like the song we just sang, I lay my whole life down. That's the spirit of worship. That's the spirit of praise. That's the spirit of thanksgiving. When we give God our all, we work at our worship. He's worthy of that. We lay it all down for him. So that's the, that's the who, what uh, of thanksgiving and how. Now, Dave's not done yet. This gets really fascinating. The second half of the verse, here comes the where of thanksgiving. I love this. David says, I will sing your praises before the gods. 
Okay, what does that mean? Well, you get to choose. From all my studies, I, there are basically three options that I, get, I think you can choose from, all right? Choice number one is David's, when he talks about gods, he's talking about kings. Later on in the same psalm, he talks about kings. And so he could be saying, you know, I as a king, God, I'm going to praise you in front of the other kings because I want the other kings to know of your greatness. That's what he says later on in this psalm. That could be one interpretation. The second thing is, there's this book uh, uh, called The Unseen Realm by Michael Heiser. If you've read it, it is chewy. But he does his research and makes a great case for there being this uh, angelic council around the throne of, of God. So these could be referring to angelic beings. Okay, that's option two. Option three is, you know, David lived in Israel and there's a nation of God surrounded by all these pagan nations who worshiped false gods. So option three could be all the false gods that were around him. Okay, you get to choose. Ultimately, here's the point. David is saying, God, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to thank you. I'm going to praise you. And quite frankly, I don't care who's watching. I'm going to praise you in front of the kings. I'm going to praise you in front of the angels. I'm going to praise you in front of the gods, whoever they may be. And I don't care who's watching. Nobody's going to stop me. If the kings issue an edict, if the kings issue a mandate and say, you can't praise God, I'm going to praise you anyway. I'm going to praise you and thank you. I don't care who's watching. That's the spirit of it. And so I thought about it. Some of you are going to spend Thanksgiving this week with people who don't believe. Friends, neighbors, loved ones. Here's my encouragement to you just as, as an exhortation. Find a way. Find a way to thank God this week in front of the people in your company. And I mean, don't be a jerk about it, but just find a way to thank God in front of the company that you're with this week. That's the spirit of this passage, all right? I will give you thanks with all my heart. So there's the, there's the who, the what, and the how of Thanksgiving right there, and then finally the where. But now, every leadership book that you read, every leadership conference you go to, they tell you, don't just tell your people what to do, tell them why. Okay, well, Pastor Sherm, why? Verse 2. David says, I will bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name. Why? Two reasons. For your mercy and your truth. There it is. For your mercy and your truth. At my house, we have this tradition on Thanksgiving. We go around the table and every person takes a turn sharing a couple of few things that they're thankful for from their life in this past year. So if King David were at my table this Thursday, he'd say, you know, the first thing I'm thankful for is God's mercy. God's mercy. Now that word mercy, maybe if you're using a different translation, it's something different. That word in the original uh, language of the Old Testament, which is Hebrew, is my favorite word in the entire uh, world. It's my favorite word in history, in the entire history of language. It's the Hebrew word chesed. Maybe you've heard of it. Some of your versions, I bet, have loving kindness or uh, steadfast love. It's God's loyalty and his love. This word, it means all of that, God's grace and mercy and love and steadfastness. It's all of that wrapped up into one. And that's what David says he's thankful for is the chesed of God. And it begins, may I remind you, your experience with the chesed of God begins at the moment of your salvation. You're saved by his chesed. I read a story that illustrates this well. I think uh, this magician, his name's Jim Monroe, 
and he's a magician, an illusionist. Unfortunately for Jim, he contracted a nasty form of leukemia. And so in his medical care, they determined that he needed a blood transfusion to live. He was dying. And in order to live, he needed a blood transfusion. So they immediately began to work on finding a match for him, finding a donor for him that was a match. And they found one, just one. And it was a 19-year-old young lady up north somewhere. So obviously they contact her, they explain the situation, and she graciously agrees to give her blood so that Jim can live. He gets the blood transfusion and he lives. Now, let me ask you a question. What do you think Jim wants to do for that young lady who gave her blood? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I mean, with all that I have, with all that I am, thank you. I'm alive because of you. What do you want? You can have it. Whatever I got, you can have it. I'm alive. I'm taking a breath right now because you gave your blood. So thank you with all that I am. Hey, I I get to remind you this morning, my friends and neighbors, that you have a cancer. You're born with a cancer. It's called sin. We're all born with it. But there is one person for whom is a match for you. And if you would receive his blood transfusion, you can be saved. And his name is Jesus Christ. He's a match for all of you. And if you would, by faith, receive the gift of his death, burial, and resurrection, his shed blood, you can be forgiven and healed in your soul. And again, with your cancer, when you receive Christ as your savior, your cancer just doesn't go into remission. It's removed. You're healed in your soul. You're saved. You're given given eternal life. And so now let me ask you, what do you want to do for him? Thank you. With all that I have, thank you. With all that I got, thank you. I'm going to live forever because you gave your blood for me. Thank you. Thanks for your mercy. But God's mercy, his chesed, we're saved by it, but but it doesn't end there, man. That's just the beginning. David goes on to testify about the mercy of God uh, here in verse 3. He tells a story about on the day I called, he said, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. So he's given testimony now of the, of the hesed of God, the mercy of God in his life. This is the hes of God at work in David's life. Now, what's he talking about here? We don't know 100% for sure, but the language really matches the language in another story tucked away in 1 Samuel 30. If you'll just allow me to tell you this story, here's how it goes. David, um, he, he's a warrior king, and he's got this army of mighty men, about 600 of them. And they are fierce warriors. And so they, they set up camp in this one town. They leave their wives and their children and all their stuff. And they go and do David and, and mighty men kind of things for a few days. And then they come back to town only to find it's all gone. Their whole village has been raised and all their wives and their children have been taken. It's all gone. Can you imagine? It's like you going on a business trip for three days and you come back, your house is burned and your whole family's taken. That's what happened. Now, how do you imagine David felt? But then even worse, he's got 600 other guys who all feel the same way. And he's the leader. He's responsible. So now all these guys are turning on him. And they want to kill him. So David is already dying inside. Now 600 mighty warriors want to kill him. That's where David is. Put yourself in his shoes. What do you do? 
I asked a group of men this. I said, what would you guys do? They said, man, I'd go all Liam Neeson. (laughs) Right. But that's not what David did first. Here's what it says, 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters who had been taken away. But here's what David did. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Back to our psalm, God made me bold with strength in my soul. He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He met with God. He got on his face. God, I need your strength. I can't do this without you. I can't do this alone. God, give me strength. Give me strength to heal. Give me strength to recover. Give me strength to lead. And God did. The rest of the story, by the way, they went all Liam Neeson. All right? They got everyone back. But first things first, he experienced the hesed of God, the mercy of God, by God giving him strength in his soul. And what God did for David, he can do for you. The first reason why David was thankful, perpetually thankful, is because of the mercy of God. Now, here's the second. Go back to verse 2. He says, I will bow down to your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your mercy. That's number one. And then secondly, for your truth. Truth. Now, again, this is another interesting Hebrew word where some of your translation, I bet, have the word faithfulness. Some of you all have faithfulness in your translation? Yeah, a handful of you. So that, again, this word is really cool. It means both truth and faithfulness combined. It's truth and faithfulness. In other words, God is as true as he is faithful, and he is as faithful as he is true. The reason why God's word is true is because God is true. The reason why God's word is faithful is because God is faithful. Quite frankly, God is faithful even when we are faithless. This is what it says in 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. You see, the integrity of God's word is rooted in the integrity of God. It's true because God's true. It's faithful because God is faithful. And don't you just love it that God means what he says and says what he means? He speaks the truth in love. I'll be honest with you. I don't, I don't do well with indirect communication. Like my grandmother, God rest her soul, I love my Gima. She came to live with us when I was in high school, and she was a master at indirect communication. Like, she would talk to the cats, all right? And she would say something like, you know, Kitty, it would be, gosh, so nice if, if they would just turn the heat up a little bit in the house. <laughs> or if someone would just go get the paper out in the front yard and and I'll be I'll, I'd sit there and I'd hear it but it would just go whoosh. I missed it all. why because she's talking to the cat she's not talking to me I, so I need friends who just tell it to me right tell it to me straight speak the truth in love say what you mean and mean what you say aren't you glad that we serve a God who says what he means and means what he says He is as faithful as he is true, and he is true as he is faithful. That's God. All right. So that's the second reason David is saying that God is faithful. And this is what he means uh, in the second half of verse 2. He said, uh, uh, I will bow down to your holy temple and give thanks for your name, for your mercy and your truth. You have made your word great according to all your name. 
That's what he means. You've made your word great according to all your name. That's what he means. That God has made his word great because God is great. That's the whole point. And this is faith. Now, just like David had a testimony about the mercy of God, I think if we'll scoot down to verse 7, you'll see that David has a testimony about the faithfulness and truth of God. Look at verse 7. He said, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will reach out with your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Your faithfulness, Lord, there it is, is everlasting. Do not abandon the work of your hands. Did you notice how many times David said will? This is faith in action. This is faith in the faithfulness of God. Notice again, David said, you will revive me. You will reach out to me. You will save me. You will accomplish what concerns me. My beloved, that's faith. Faith isn't just believing that God can. Faith is believing according to God's word that he will. That's faith. Faith is rooted in the faithfulness of God and in the faithfulness of his word. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. That's faith. And when you have faith like that in the faithfulness of God, you can say God will. He will come through for me. He will deliver me. He will rescue me. He will be there for me. He will revive me. He will save me. He will accomplish what concerns me. That's faith. David believed it. He experienced it. And he gave thanks for it. For God's mercy and for God's truth. So that's my encouragement for you, my beloved. That Thanksgiving is a good reminder that we ought to give thanks to God every day. For God's mercy and God's truth. So may I exhort you, just as a brother, give thanks to God every day, or, or at least 364 days a year and save one day for grumbling. All right? <laughs> All right, let's pray. And so God, our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We will give you thanks with all our heart. You've saved us. We thank you. Whatever we have, it's yours. With all that we have, we thank you and we praise you. You are our deliverer. You're our rescuer. You're our redeemer. You're our reconciler. You're our savior. You're our Lord. You're the rock that we run to. You are our good shepherd. And we thank you. Your mercy is everlasting. Your faithfulness is everlasting. And so therefore, God, our thanksgiving is everlasting. And Lord, I would be remiss this morning as we talk about the shed blood of Christ that can heal anyone who believes of the cancer of sin. If you're here this morning and you've never taken that step of faith, you've never received that gift of salvation, man, today's the day. Now's the time. Wherever you are in the world, God is with you. God is speaking to you. God is reaching out to you. God's knocking on the door of your heart and he's offering you this gift. It's it's cost him everything, but it's cost you nothing. It's the gift of eternal life, the forgiveness of sin, the gift of salvation, new life, the Holy Spirit coming into your life, cleansing you and washing you, giving you a new birth, making you a new person. You can receive that gift today just by believing. It's the hesed of God for you. It begins right now at the moment of your salvation. Thank you, Father. 
Lord, give us thankful hearts, hearts that are willing not just to be thankful, but to give thanks as an act of faith. And quite frankly, Lord, we don't care who's watching. We will give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.